of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll, an SB Nation Lakers community. You can find us over at Silver Screen and Roll or on social at Lakers SBN. I'm joined, by always, by the wonderful Grant Goldberg. And Grant, I feel like every time we record our podcast, we're talking about a Lakers win. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that we're kind of a good luck charm right before we record. Yeah, definitely. I think we should record a lot more often. It'll make the podcast a lot more fun, more enjoyable to watch the games, and then uh, more enjoyable to hear us talk. And so, yeah, if you're hearing, uh, if you're hearing us, uh, any SB Nation higher ups listening to the show, you know, you know, let us cook. <laughs> exactly. Um, Tyson Chandler made his debut for the Lakers, and what a debut it was for him. He came up with really two big offensive boards at the end, um, which were really just volleyball rebounds. It wasn't even him uh, you know, gra- grabbing the ball with two hands, which is I know is a really big thing when it comes to guys his size, but um, he he was phenomenal. I was blown away that that he still got it. Well, yeah, I think, well, first of all, when you're talking about rebounding, yeah, grabbing it with two hands is pretty essential for, for whenever you're trying to secure the board. But no, uh, I think we came into this game, too, um, with with kind of not even jaded expectations, but just lower expectations from the player uh, that Tyson Chandler is described as just because he's in, what, his 18th year now or 17th year. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's it's tough to have really lofty expectations for a guy coming in. So, you know, the way he did play tonight, raised some eyebrows and uh, turned some heads in a good way. He was physical. He set really great screens. He played tremendous defense on Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, and like you just said, he, you know, kept the he kept the ball alive at the very end of the game, which ultimately helped secure a Lakers win. Um, and, I, and I tweeted this from the, the Silver Screen and Roll account that, you know, that's the kind of veteran presence you want. Uh, he's not playing outside of his role. Uh, he doesn't, you know, you know, he doesn't get too big for himself. And, you know, he just does what he's built to do. And so, you know, not to, you know, call out anybody or, like, say any particular names, <laughs> Rondo. <Yeah. laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, he was, you know, he did exactly what we thought he was going to do. Uh, but I think he just did it better than he when the, than we thought he was gonna do, and so I was I was very happy watching him play. I even uh, photoshopped his jersey in the rafter, rafters for uh, a little bit of uh, of a prediction for the future. Uh, it's gonna be a very fruitful relationship for Tyson Chandler if the Lake and the Lakers if he keeps playing like that and he just keeps making these winning plays. I think the thing that so that the thing that. I took away from it, and it sounds hyperbolic because, after all, we we are talking about a 36-year-old Tyson Chandler. But I saw somebody say that if the Lakers had Tyson Chandler all season, they would feasibly have two or three more wins. And I, I don't think that's, you know, that hot of a take. I mean, Tyson Chandler wouldn't have been cooked 
by, say, LaMarcus Aldridge the way Kuzma was or the way uh, JaVale McGee was. I, the way he played perimeter defense on Carl Anthony Towns was so impressive today. I tweeted out the picture of uh, of him trying to get past DeMarcus Cousins, um, <laughs> you know, the one of him struggling. And that's what it looked like. Every time he went into the post with, with Chandler there, he, he just could not get by him. No, no, and, and you're right. Um we saw we saw Javel McGee even struggle against Lamarcus Aldridge defending him in space and so yeah having a guy like Tyson Chandler like I said earlier you know he doesn't you know play outside of his role he knows what he has to do on the court and he sticks to it and I think you know that's what makes him such a helpful player or at least this version of himself such a helpful player um I I I'm just I'm I'm thinking of the take right now <laughs> and it's it's not you know super unbelievable yeah he's he just he makes the winning plays he does the the stuff that you need to do to keep the ball alive or you know get a couple extra possessions and you know just having a big body in the paint uh who can who's actually kind of fluid for a 36 year old and uh just is is a good good presence around the around the rim i just i I don't know what we're saying right now i'm kind (laughs) of dumbfounded um you know i i definitely didn't expect him to play as much as he did tonight i mean he played 22 minutes uh which is above his season average he's played for i think the last three seasons um so that's i I, the the thing that (laughs) i was probably most impressed by because i I expected him to be a force on the boards. I expected him to be a big body in the paint on defense. But the dynamic he adds to the Lakers that I was really impressed with is his screen setting. The Lakers don't have anyone as big as Tyson Chandler to set screens for them. I mean, you look at their center rotation. It's JaVale McGee, who, as strong as he is, He's kind of built like a really buff slender man. I mean, yeah. he's he has he's a toned guy. He has he has a lot of muscle, but he's a thin guy. And so when you have a guy like Tyson Chandler who is, you know, as advertised 7 foot 1, 240 pounds, um he's setting wide screens for shooters and I think we saw shooters like Josh Hart and even even Contavious Caldwell-Pope looked better on the floor playing next to Tyson Chandler. Yeah, um, he just he he plays like he's seven one, two hundred and forty pounds, and you know just having that kind of presence, um, and we see Jonathan Williams try. He's a very active screen setter. Uh, he's a very active player overall. But yeah, there's not that kind of force behind the screens. I it, and I'll go back to another tweet that I had tonight. Uh, I said the last thing you see before you die is Tyson Chandler coming in to set a screen. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean like, you're not wrong. No, no, I would be deathly afraid if I was on a basketball court and Tyson uh. Chandler was, and 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 some of the time you don't even see it coming. And, but you know, I, I, which is I was crazy la- considering how big he is. Yeah, exactly. And I was <laughs> I was laughing to myself uh, just this uh, last part of what we were talking about because you know I could tell we were both kind of. At a loss for words, trying to describe uh, Tyson Chandler's Lakers debut, and you know, I'll I'll go as far to say maybe you know the best debut of a Lakers big man ever. Um, oh my! God. This is not hyperbolic at all. <laughs> yeah. It's not a hot we just, take. We speak facts on. Can you dig it? Yes. All right. You can, and you can dig these Tyson Chandler 
hot take facts. But yeah, yeah, uh, Tyson Chandler, great addition to the team. Uh, and uh, who knows if he you know plays well and, and sticks to this kind of role and keeps making these plays, uh, maybe he'll be back with the Lakers beyond this year. I mentioned how much uh, shooters like Josh Hart and Contavious Caldwell Pope benefited. And Josh Hart especially looked very good tonight. 21 points on a blistering 71.4% from behind the arc. Also added four rebounds. Shout out to Josh Barkley. Uh, and uh, finished with a team high box plus minus of plus 11. So really good night for Josh. Uh, but it wasn't just Josh that had a good night. Uh, Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma also looked really good. Um, and I think that's a promising sign because those are the guys you want to step up because um, you're not you're not expecting big nights from the the veterans the Lakers picked up this offseason. The, the bulk of the offense and the bulk of everything the Lakers are trying to do this season is going to be through those guys. What did you think of of the way they stepped up in in a big game like tonight? Well, I think you know. I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about them, you know, being ready uh, for these moments. Uh, I mean, with Jimmy Butler, and you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, with Derrick Rose playing as well as he's been playing. <laughs> yeah, you know, that the, was nuts. He the, could not miss. Oh my gosh! And we'll get into that later, <laughs> I'm sure. But you know, the the Wolves are still a playoff team. Um, you know, it's still a playoff team coming back from this past season, and who knows what's going to happen with this Jimmy Butler situation. But they, you know, they brought the fight, you know, on the offensive side of the floor, at least. Uh, they looked prepared. They looked poised. I think poised was a, a word that we brought up last show, too. And, you know, that's just such a big thing for a young player to be ready and kind of be unfazed. Um, you know, you, you were dealing with, on the other side of the floor, guys shooting from the perimeter so well that don't usually shoot that well in Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose. And so the numbers will be kind of skewed. Uh, their three-point defense was, you know, absolutely atrocious. But you know the way they brought it on the offense, uh, the way they moved the ball, found open looks, especially Josh Hart getting after it in transition behind the arc was great. Uh, having these above-the-break threes uh, was, you know, really instrumental in keeping this game close all game. You never saw the Wolves really pull away. I think you know, the most they led by was nine points. But uh, every time they kind of try to pull away, you saw Josh Hart hit a big shot. You saw Kyle Kuzma hit a big shot. Brandon Ingram was also making winning plays. He hit a, uh, a three or two tonight. And so you see these players, and you know I think it's it can be attributed to them playing in these big moments. And there are going to be a lot of big moments having LeBron on your team, having all these games so close in the Western Conference, you know, there's going to be a lot of learning moments, but there's going to be a lot of moments where we see this progress that they've made, having gone through all these experiences during the season and uh, having these chances to improve in those in those pivotal moments in the game. Yeah, and I, I think the the biggest thing for them is going to be one shooting which Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma, even though Kuzma's percentages might not be there, you can count on him to at least make one or two three-pointers a game. So Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma have that down. Brandon Ingram looked really good shooting the ball tonight from a confident standpoint, which I think uh, was was the second thing I was going to bring up, and I think it mostly applies to him, is Brandon Ingram can become assertive on offense consistently beyond just taking 
pull-up mid-range jumpers or fadeaway mid-range jumpers, uh, you know, basically playing like a like a giant Sean Livingston. If he can back away from that and become more of a, you know, a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter or, you know, somebody that's just willing to let it fly from behind the arc, I think this team's ceiling is raised tremendously and Brandon Ingram emerges as the clear number two option to LeBron James. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, once they you know, kind of just, I wouldn't even say know their role because I feel like that's kind of demeaning of me to say. And, um, you know, they're, they're all great basketball players, but uh, they kind of mesh and, you know, find different roles that maybe suit them better. You know, we're going to see, you know, a more clear cut number two option. I think, you know, Brandon Ingram is the, the second most talented or, or, and Lonzo Ball for that matter. Uh, they they have this this capability and ceiling to be that number two guy or the the setup guy for LeBron. Um, yeah, I, I I never thought Kuzma would be that you know go to guy after LeBron. You know, granted he is you know a really savvy scorer and you know hopefully his defense comes along and he moves around the floor well. But yeah, I think you know once they you know kind of fall into their roles during the season, and it's still super early, and they're still figuring things out. We're gonna see a a, a little bit more of a um I I wouldn't like a hard lineup. I don't know. Uh, but you know, it's it, it it's tough to define roles right now, um, especially with a young team, especially with LeBron and all these veterans they're trying to get into the mix. Yeah, and to your point, I don't. You, you you use the the term like fill the roles lightly, but I think when you're on a team with LeBron James, um, it's it's important to know the best way to to and it sounds silly, but the best way to let him bring the best out of your game. Like what? How can I play for LeBron James to maximize my talents? Like how am I? How am I going to best serve myself playing next to the greatest player alive? And I think it's more that than anything. And I think it's good that they do that. I think, it, you know, if they want if they want minutes on the floor, you're going to have to learn how to play with the team's star player. And luckily, LeBron's a really unselfish guy. But uh, it, there is an adjustment period, and we've seen it with players in the past uh, that need some time taking um, or need some time to learn how to play with LeBron James. Yeah, and like we like we've been saying since the show began, it's going to take some time to, for these guys to learn how to play basketball with LeBron. Um it's I wouldn't say it's a completely different sport, but you know, playing basketball with, you know, the best player uh, arguably of all time and you know, having this guy who can you know, totally maximize your talent, like you were saying, and make you a better player and, and, and do things that you didn't even think or allow you to do things you didn't even think you could do on the court, uh, set you up in ways you couldn't imagine. Uh, it's going to change the way you play basketball. And, and I think they're finding that out. And, you know, slowly but surely they're learning. And, you know, I, I think Josh Hart's the best example of this right now. Uh, we're seeing, you know, a, a little bit more of a reliable player uh, offensively uh, throughout this part of the season than we did at this point last year. Granted, uh, he, you know, had a little bit of an injury to start the year, if I'm not, uh, if I remember correctly, to start the year last year. Um, but yeah, I think we're seeing a confident Josh Hart. We're seeing him getting all the right spots, and the ball is getting to him. And, and a large part is due 
to LeBron James and that kind of influence of moving the ball and finding and finding their teammates in the right spot. got some news about Luke Walton maybe being on the hot seat, maybe not being on the hot seat, and uh, things, you you can argue that some of it is justified, but from your standpoint, do you think the front office has uh, maybe jumped the gun a little bit too much? Do you think they're overreacting to to the way... Luke's coached his team to start the season. Um. Yeah, I think. Well, well first off, uh, if we're gonna name names, Mark Jackson. Um. <laughs> uh, and we're not naming names for potential replacements. Um. Yeah. Whew. Definitely not. Oh no. boy. Um. Yeah, that would be. Uh. Who? What? Who were the other? What was the other name? It was uh, Mark Jackson Kidd. and Jason Kidd. Oh man. Oh. I hope. Uh. I hope those sources are are a little faulty because boy. Would that be something? Getting two guys who were replaced for coaches that brought their team to the next level. Exactly. I mean, Steve Kerr literally won a championship the next year, and the Bucks look the best they've ever looked. So, man, whew, Grant, I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case, buddy. No, no. I, I really hope it's not the case either. <laughs> but I, I, maybe it's like a good luck Chuck situation. Like Mark Jackson comes <laughs> in, he gets fired, the Lakers win a championship. But but no, the the Lakers, for the most part, have been a little bit of a mess to start the year. Um, to, to look at the schedule and look at what's happened throughout the season, it's kind of crazy that they're only five and six. Uh, I know mm-hmm. this team has playoff aspirations. They have aspirations ahead of the playoffs. But, you know, for two key guys in the rotation in Brandon Ingram and Rajon Rondo, because I, I said in the rotation because Luke Walton is insistent on playing Rajon Rondo and insistent <laughs> on calling him elite. And so if you're going to if you're going to pinpoint uh, some flaws in, in Luke Walton's philosophy as a coach, uh, the the calling Rajon Rondo elite is a little weird, but um, he's had a lot of adversity to deal with. Lonzo Ball had restrictions on his knee. Uh, you had the suspensions, and then you have to you know find out you know who fits where in with LeBron and the rook, not the rookies, but yeah. um, you know the young guys and the veterans and Mo, Wag- Mo Wagner's hurt. Uh, speed, you know, hasn't gotten in the rotation really, and mm-hmm. so you know it's it's going to be tough. And you know, during those moments where you you know put Lance Stevenson on the floor, and he's you know you're trying to find out where he fits, and he's you know jacking up these you know freaking long twos off yeah. the dribble. I I tweeted from the Silver Screen and Roll account the other day that Lance Stevenson kind of plays like. Uh, a two K my player that hasn't been upgraded yet. It's just somebody that with like an irrational amount of confidence for what their ability actually has. Like he plays like Michael Jordan, but with half the talent. I'll give you an I'll give you an example. Um, I was playing pickup basketball. Uh, this is gonna come out on on Thursday, so I was playing on Tuesday night, and mm-hmm. I you know dribbled the ball off my foot. <laughs> Somehow regained the ball. <laughs> dribbled through two people and then uh it kind of like jumped out and, and passed it out to one of my teammates and i was like oh man like that was my lance stevenson play uh make and him then, dance grant 
Make them dance, Grant. Look, I've never made anybody dance in my life. Um, no, but I was like, yeah, that's a total Lance Stevenson play. And so, and so, if Luke Walton had to, you know, put me out on the floor, like, it's worth seeing what I can bring. But he's not going to look good in the process having me, aka Lance Stevenson, in yeah. this example, on the floor. But you know, it's something that he's going to have to do uh, to find out who works well with who. And I, I think because the ori- initial reaction to the report was that Magic Johnson was flipping his lid about uh, the Lakers' slow start to the season, which on the surface, is sh- it's it's everything you just said. Like, the suspensions, this is a brand new team that has only had a few months together. I mean, it's all of that. But as as time passed and reports started coming out, more details, it sounds like Magic was just more frustrated with the lack of a structure with Luke Walton's offense and Luke Walton's defense, which I totally understand. And that's most of the fan base's uh, gripes with Luke Walton is that the offense looks stagnant in the half court. And most of the time, it's just somebody ISOing. And if there's an open shot, they kick it out. And that's not the type of system you want to be running when you have arguably the, the one of the greatest playmakers to ever live in LeBron James. Um, but I do think there's there's something to be said about the front office's role, uh, Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka, and giving him the personnel to succeed. I don't think uh, you, you can argue that they're fine offensively. I mean, you you look at their numbers, you look at their uh, their uh, their place among the league rankings and offensive rating and whatnot. They look good. They have enough talent to carry them offensively. Uh, based off of, you know, athleticism alone in most points, the fact that they can run. But defensively, I, I, I genuinely do not know what Magic Johnson or Rob Palinka expected when they brought in, um, you know, Lance Stevenson and Michael Beasley. Yeah, and, you know, Beasley, for the most part, hasn't even seen the floor a whole ton. Yeah. Uh, no, granted, that's due to family issues, and, you know, hopefully you know, everything's resolved and, and good for Bees. But, you know, yeah. you know, Rondo hasn't been a plus defender in the regular season in a few years. Um, JaVale's been great. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, he's, it's... And he's the one guy. He's the one guy that they brought in this offseason that had, uh, you know, a positive impact on defense last season. I mean, even Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who we all look at as a two-way player, didn't have you know the impact everybody thought he did uh last season so from 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 a pure number standpoint everything that the lakers brought in has brought in this offseason has lived up to their reputation and you know in some cases that's not a good thing yeah and you know when you you see the the kind of focus and emphasis the Lakers are putting on defense now in in you know their commentary after practice or in practice and you know mm-hmm. but it's hard to execute on these things when you roster these players that the front office has put in front of us uh, put in front of Luke Walton um, and you're seeing defense kind of you know deteriorate uh, throughout this kind of half decade in the NBA. And your know, mm-hmm. defense is a, a less of a premium nowadays than it was in the past, and a really good offense is is kind of enough to win you a title. You know, defense 
Um, I, I I said this on another show that I do, Locked On Seahawks, with and my and my co-host Spike actually said this. Uh, defense is to give your offense another chance to win mm-hmm. the game. And the yeah. Lakers, you know, the reason that they won last year is because that unit played so cohesively defensively sometimes that it gave them just enough possessions to to win at a sheer volume. Uh, we're not seeing that this year as much, and that's why they're they're maybe not as effective uh, in transition as we thought because you know they're they're just less and less opportunities for them to get out in in transition yeah. on the break, and so you know it's 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 tough. Uh, for multiple reasons, um, I, I'm just, I'm just really missing Julius Randle right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking about that to myself today, and Tyson Chandler answered uh, most of my prayers, if you will, uh, when I was watching the game, and it's happened a lot this season, but especially today, I miss having somebody that just gets after the boards on the team, and Julius Randle was very much like that. Last year especially, but every year he was with the Lakers, he was just an absolute beast on the boards. And I miss somebody like that. And I'm happy Tyson Chandler showed some semblance of, of, of you know, pride in gra- grabbing a rebound. Um, so uh, Dare beyond I say that, grit? I, I, <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about it too much. I'm going to, I'm going to, my eyes are going to get all misty. So, uh, but if, if, if you're, if you were Luke Walton, how do you respond to those criticisms? And to to the front office's credit, um, uh, at least according to the reports that have come out, they argued over the fact like, hey, I have one. Luke, Luke told them like, hey, I have one center on my roster. I do not know what you want me to do. And then a few days later, they went out and got Tyson Chandler, who, like we said, was uh, was a positive impact tonight. But beyond that, if you're Luke Walton... What do you do to res- respond to that criticism? I mean, what adjustments do you make? Uh, I install some some basic offensive principles in the half court. Yeah, um, no, that's but the start. but I I think before you know I get into this whole Luke thing. Um, mm-hmm. I I think the thing that a lot of people in Lakers Twitter and and some people in the NBA Twitter because I know there's a lot of skeptics about the Lakers out there and and for you know all intents and purposes. Uh, early on this season, they, you know, it's rightfully so. Um, a lot of it, you know, everybody thought it was just going to be kind of like a flow offense. You know, the ball was going to move. It was going to be heavy transition based. And, you know, <laughs> they're they're trying to operate like that. But like I said, they're not getting as many possessions. And they're being forced to uh, slow the ga- or play the game slower than they want to play. And, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I, I mean, install some basic offensive principles. Look, I'm not gonna be uh laker film room over here i'm not gonna you know, call <laughs> out what Pete. yeah i'm not gonna be coach b i'm not gonna you know, call out what sets they should be running you know uh no hammer concepts or you know anything like that but you know i think yeah. that um less rondo in, in the half court because the ball just the ball sticks and you know he pa- he passes the ball but like not until you know there's five so- five seconds left on the shot clock uh, more Lon- I mean, more Lonzo. Now, maybe that's a little bit of an idealistic point of view from a Lakers fan, but yeah. but I'm Luke Walton right now, so I play Lonzo a little bit more, and I put him out there with you know Ingram, LeBron, uh, Kuzma, or no, uh, Hart, LeBron, Ingram, and 
Javel because that's been one of their most productive lineups all year, and um, it 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 has just a lot less holes in the in the defense and the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 confusing to see why he thinks L- L- Rondo's the elite player that he was, you know, in years past. Um, I think a lot of it's reputation based, but you know, and we're seeing it, we're seeing it affect the rotation. We're seeing his perception of Rondo affect, you know, whether he should be on the floor or not. I think uh, we're seeing him repeatedly call him elite, and you know, we're seeing him see the floor over Lonzo Ball for the bulk mm-hmm. of the game and that's just it's just not something that should be happening so if i'm luke if i'm luke walton i stop calling rondo elite and i stop having him uh have the majority of the point guard minutes over lonzo ball so my question for you then and it's a question that's been asked on lakers twitter today please address me as how- luke sorry <laughs> if how much of that problem do you think is luke walton and how much of it do you think is LeBron James saying? Because uh, going into training camp, LeBron James was as complimentary of Rajon Rondo as he's been of any player on the roster. And I, I think some of that has to do with the fact that they've been in the league for about as long. You know, they've been in the league with each other for quite some time. Uh, but I think we can't dismiss the fact that LeBron James might be having an influence on Walton's rotation, specifically with Rondo, who I who, like I said, has been praised by LeBron in the past, like repeatedly. Yeah, I'd say it's probably about like sixty forty, uh, Luke sixty, LeBron forty. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's generous or if it's not generous, but yeah, I think LeBron carries so much weight in this organization, and I don't think he signs with the Lakers if he doesn't have this much weight. And, you know, what he says definitely matters to Luke. It matters to the front office. So if Luke, if, you know, LeBron goes to Luke and says, no, I want to play with Rondo, he's Mm going to play him with Rondo. Um, And, you know, it sucks because, you know, Lonzo just has so much more potential to be a better fit with LeBron. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. He plays better defense uh, and he can shoot the ball better. So, you know, I'm 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 understanding of the special case they have having LeBron James on the team and the pressure that LeBron can put on his staff and on the front office to, mm-hmm. you know, have his ideas put uh put in front of him and, and in practice. But yeah, it's 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 tough to sit here and say that Rondo's deserved to play the minutes next to LeBron over Lonzo. The the only thing I can think of from, you know, to try to play the devil's advocate in Luke's defense is that he thinks that Lonzo is too much of an offensive liability because as much as Lonzo's improved as a shooter this season, he can't penetrate the way Rondo can. He doesn't handle the ball the way Rondo can. He's not as efficient in the pick and roll as Rondo can be sometimes cuz we saw, we saw Rondo the other night have his best game in a Lakers uniform and he was really really good um and it's the Portland game I'm talking about. Um but I, I, beyond that, I do not know what Rondo offers 
that Lonzo doesn't. And it, defense certainly isn't one of them because um, Derrick Rose was hitting some really tough shots. Um, but Rondo was doing him a ton of favors too. I mean, he, he wasn't by any means playing elite defense on Rose. And we saw that Luke recognized that because he took Rondo out uh, for that final possession and put in Josh Hart, which, you know, <laughs> you can argue isn't much of an upgrade, uh, but he, he he realizes that Rondo isn't a good defender, which just makes it all that more questionable as to why he's in the game in the first place. Yeah, and, and to be fair for this past game against uh, against the Timberwolves, uh, a lot of this is to is to do with Rondo walking Tyson Chandler through the game uh, defensively for the Lakers, mm. uh, you know, having him yeah. in the right spots uh, offensively too. And so, you know, maybe having Rondo out there for this game could be, you know, a little bit more of a help just because they know each other so well. They've been in the league together for a mm. long time. Like you were saying with the Rondo and LeBron, uh, it's the same case for him and Tyson Chandler. Um, so yeah, you know, that could just be one reason. I think uh, Luke Walton may have alluded to that or not, but yeah, I, I, I think long term, you know, especially when Tyson gets assimilated with this uh, team a little bit more, we really should see Lonzo have the bulk of the minutes. I think, you know, time will tell too. Um, I think, you know, it'll be. I, I don't want to say inexcusable to play Rondo, you know, a, a, a good amount of minutes. But you know we're gonna yeah. we're gonna see a lasting impact, you know, and, and it'll be reflected in the numbers long term rather than just this small sample size. And it, it especially because Rondo's only on a one year deal. I mean, who knows if he'll be back next year? My my guess is yes, unfortunately. Um, my, which again, he's not a bad player. He's been a serviceable player since he's been with the team. But when you have uh, a built one year building blocks of the future is a point guard that needs time to develop that needs as much reps as possible uh because of the rookie season he had and because of the the injury he suffered uh towards the end of the season that kept him side sidelined for all of summer in this particular situation it's really hard to to justify having rondo on the Rondo on the court and Lonzo on the bench for as long as he's on the bench. But um, like you said, I I guess we'll have to see what uh, the long-term repercussions are, and hopefully he figures it out sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think think we got some tough games ahead of us too, and so we're going to see, you know, I think we're going to see a little bit more of some experimentation with the lineups, especially facing a couple really young teams that like to move up and down the floor. Grant, give me your predictions for the upcoming games because we have a week off. We only do this podcast once a week. So the the games we have from w- when this goes up tomorrow uh, on Thursday and when we, when we see you all uh, next time, it's going to be the Kings, the Hawks, and the Trailblazers. Grant, what do you think through those three games, what's their record? Um, it's it's gonna be a tough stretch. Uh the Kings are playing really, really well right now. They're playing super fast and they're exposing teams with their speed. Uh it's in Sacramento. Uh I I 
it's it's tough to to pick the Kings, but you know I think that's where both teams are right now in this yeah. point of the season. It's I I don't know. It might be one of those games where LeBron just goes crazy and you know the Lakers win by you know twelve or fifteen, or it could be one of those games where it's just exhausting to watch from a Lakers fan standpoint. And so yeah, I think maybe the Kings take. Uh, this Saturday's game, and then you know, right, right the next day at home they face the Hawks uh, on a back-to-back, and it's another team, a young team that gets up and down the floor. But I think, yeah. I think you know, the Lakers are they can play sloppy in that game and still find a way to win with LeBron, and so I think they go one and two in that stretch, and then play the the Blazers for the third time this year, uh, first time at home. Uh, Damian Lillard loves playing at Staples Center against the Lakers. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see this game go either way, too. I think, you know, that's the biggest thing where I'm at this at this point of the season is that the Lakers games, they can go either way on any given night, and there is no true, you know, favorite to me. I think, you know, this team has the potential to, you know, win comfortably or we're just sweating it out through the whole game. And then they just lose it in the fourth quarter. And so I think I'm just going to be the optimist right now. I'm going to say the Lakers take the game against the Blazers. And maybe that'll be the game where, you know, people start to be like, all right, well, you know, maybe this team uh, will get it together and can get into the playoffs this year. And, uh, yeah, so I think they'll go 2-1. and one. That's my optimistic take on this three-game stretch. I, I think I'd go the opposite i think they'll win in sacramento because sacramento will be coming off of this of a second night of a back-to-back uh, and the lakers are gonna have uh two days of rest when they see sacramento um but it, by no means that are they guaranteed to win because we, we were talking about it earlier sacramento is a surprisingly fun team and they just got bogdan bogdanovich back and he was really solid for them last year and uh adding him is just going to build to their strong start to the season they've had. Um, and I think they'll, they'll give the Lakers a run, but when you the Lakers have a few players that you can argue are better play. Like if, if you had to make a, a, a list of the most talented players on the Lakers and the Kings combine them, the Lakers have the top three spots in my opinion, top three or four spots. So I think ultimately talent wins out, which is why I think they'll breeze by the Hawks as well. Because as as young and as sometimes fun as the Hawks may be, uh, it, it's you know, like I said, talent wins out. They yeah. have LeBron James on the roster; he can go crazy on any given night. Uh, they'll they'll be good teams in the future for sure, but I, I just don't see them beating the Lakers, especially with. Uh, everything they theoretically have at stake with uh, Luke Walton's job. Um, Portland is not going to be so easy. No. And I, I don't need to tell Lakers fans that. Portland is, is just a really tough team to beat. And going into the season, for my Western Conference projections, I had them finishing outside of the Western Conference playoff picture because of uh, some of the names they lost in the offseason, like Shabazz Napier and Ed Davis, who alone aren't big-name players, but they fit really well in the roster, but they've managed. I mean, the Lakers made Nick Stauskas look like a like a young Ray Allen when they <laughs> played him the first time. So, 
Uh, I that game can go either way, but I think I'd, I I have to give it to the Blazers. I could I I could say the Lakers go three and zero during this stretch, but I think it's a little too optimistic. So two and one sounds realistic, and it would put them at five hundred by the time uh, we see you all again. Yeah, and that'd be an ideal spot to be in, especially in such a tough Western Conference. Uh, basically starting. <laughs> Starting over and uh, starting with a clean slate. So, you know, hopefully when we see you, we're starting a new season, uh, you know, undefeated, <laughs> uh, zero and zero. And, yeah, hopefully uh, they, they take on this, this new season with, you know, fresh legs and uh, and they uh, have a new sense of chemistry on the team. <laughs> but, yeah, this is getting into deep optimism territory. Uh, but yeah, no. Hopefully, I think so. We're, we're both on the on the two and one train, uh, probably for different reasons. Um, I, I just think that you know when you when you look at this team where it is right now, uh, I think the Kings are just a, a bad matchup for them, and so mm-hmm. we we won't get into the thick of things with the matchups and <laughs> stuff like that. But you know, I, I think that the the Lakers will be able to show enough. Uh, in this three-game stretch that, you know, not all hope is lost. And, you know, hopefully, you know, Luke Walden shows a little bit more with the, the offense and, you know, the, the play designs and, and his lineups to give us a little bit more hope for her, for the Lakers uh, later on this season and his job security in the future. Well, that would certainly be ideal. And hopefully we have nothing but good things to talk about next time we see you. Until then, thanks for listening again. And uh, let your friends know about us because I think our podcast is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, unbiasedly it's a great podcast. Um, two really cool, <laughs> funny, handsome guys just talking about the yeah. Lakers. Again, handsome. Again, yeah. unbiased um, mm. opinion of this podcast and so if you feel the same, go to iTunes and leave a five-star review letting us know just how funny, cool, knowledgeable, and handsome we are. Um, but, yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. I know this is just starting out, and we're still kind of finding you know, our way with the show and, and the different flows of the conversation and, and trying to describe some great Tyson Chandler performances. Uh, and so, yeah, stick with us, and we promise we're only going to keep getting better. And so, yeah, thank you for being loyal in advance. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>